Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? What's up, everyone? My name is Najee Adams, and I'm one half of the dynamic hosting duo of the Hoopball Nets podcast right here in the Hoopball Podcast Network. Myself, along with my best friend, Hunter Jacobs, cover everything about New York's best basketball team. Sorry, Knicks fans. Join us as we journey into a new era of Nets basketball with superstars Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant while having a whole lot of fun along the way. As your one-stop shop for all things Nets, we've got it all. From their title odds next season, all the way to what we think their NBA 2K rating should be. Just two native New Yorkers talking about Brooklyn hoops. What could be better? Swing us a follow at Hoopball Nets on Twitter and subscribe to the show everywhere that podcast can be found. We've got Brooklyn Grit. Come show us you do too. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Twenty days until the NBA comes back, provided everything goes according to plan. And so far, everything is all right. Teams have hit the bubble. I think everybody's there now. I think today's the last day the teams are showing up. They are in the bubble. Some of them are actually scheduled to have their first team practices. I think one team actually had to postpone one. I don't remember why, but maybe they were waiting for a test to come back or something like that. But we're actually we're actually starting to, to smell it a little bit. It's been an <laughs> eventful morning in the NBA. Woj dropped a new kind of bomb. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to get into Twitter. Enjoy. Enjoy. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Vespers. We're not going to get too deep into that stuff. Um, it's not... I don't really have strong opinions on... The disagreement there. Uh, there's obviously reasons behind what each side is looking to accomplish on that particular front. You know, you're getting into NBA in China and, you know, there's a lot of hand-waving. There's a lot of distracting going on. So we won't we won't deal with that. We will not be distracted by whatever the hell's going on. I will get a chuckle about it because you know this one ain't going anywhere. If anything, I'm curious to see what Woj does next because I don't know if you guys remember this, but that dude holds a grudge, man. And he's got some pretty pretty big influence. So we'll see. We'll see if anything takes shape. Might be kind of interesting to keep tabs on it, but won't change the way we play our fantasy games. Uh, we're talking about the resumption NBA campaign, the seeding season, starting in 20 days, two weeks, a sprint, eight games per team, and we've been building a rank board, and I have a little bit of news on that front, actually, before we dive into the rest of our picks. The final ranking board that we're building here on this podcast, and we'll have kind of the big reveal of that on Monday. It's not even really a month reveal, because if you've been listening to the show, you've built it right along with us. But on Monday, we'll have a roughly a finalized list. That will be sent to Hoopball headquarters, where the great Aaron Bruski and the great Mike Pasador, our founder and our lead editor, the head of our writing division, are going to go over it, and we're all, the three of us, effectively, I think Eric Ong will get involved in that bad boy too, we're going to get a final Hoopball rank list that will be 
released for free. You will not have to pay for it. So it's not going to be like the draft guide where you got to get it to get the, the, the good stuff. This is free for a couple of reasons. Number one, this is a weird time of year. This has never happened before. And, you know, this is not, we don't want this to, to be a money grab. We, we never really want it to be that way at Hoop Ball. And so hopefully this is some measure of goodwill. Uh, the other reason is if you guys are still paying attention right now and getting into a fantasy league, we want you guys to win because then we want you guys to be hoop ball followers for life. We want you guys to be loyal. So we're hoping we can give you guys something that's going to help you win a few bucks here during this seeding campaign. Uh, that'll be available, my guess would be, by Wednesday of next week. You just have to get on an email list. It's going to go out by email. So that'll be pretty easy. I'll make sure to update you guys on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of next week on how you can get your hands on the final hoop ball rank list for this resumption seeding campaign. And uh, today, we'll just basically put the finishing touches on rough draft number one. I'm hoping we only have one rough, and then you guys don't really have to stick with me as we move bodies around, because that ends up being uh, impossible to turn into an interesting podcast. There's no way I'm going to do a show where it's just like, okay, okay, let's go through the list. Oh, Giannis, let's move him up one spot. That's a horrible podcast. Already, we're really kind of in too deep with a lot of this stuff, and that would be too much, even for pedantic over here. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I know most of you guys that are listening to this show have already done that, but maybe there's someone out there who's tuning in for the first time and thought, hmm, wonder where I can get a hold of this dude. Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Give me a follow, and we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. So, where did we leave off? We left off with 98 names on our personal draft board, four names on our waiting list, and uh, I believe we were at pick number 142, not pick 142, name 142 from the original regular season rank list. That was DeLon Wright. Finished up with JaVale McGee on yesterday's show, although he was on our wait list from early on. We just dumped him on there because he was an example of a guy that can step into a big role. DeLon Wright is a guy who has had his chances this year and has fluctuated wildly between barely being a serviceable fantasy player and kind of plodding along in that top 90 range and then tumbling down to the top 150, 160 range, and it all leveled up to 140. By totals, believe it or not, he was actually inside the top 100, but that's what happens to these plotters when they're healthy. He played in all 65 games for the Mavs this year, and so his numbers on the total side are artificially inflated. Fine, maybe he does play in all eight of these seeding games, but again, if we're looking at eight games per slot, we want the guys that are going to be posting big per game numbers because hell when one dude sits for a night there's going to be a really key jump in there's going to be a key handcuff delon wright played well right at the end of the actual regular season after playing very poorly for about two weeks before that he was awful right after the all-star break until march 4th and then he was pretty damn good for the last five games before the season shut down his minutes didn't bounce around all that much they trended up little by little as the season went on. Generally, as Dallas lost people, DeLon Wright's minutes went up. He was at 22, roughly, minutes for the season. 
Seven points, four boards, three and a half assists, 1.2 steals, pretty good percentages, no real three-pointers to speak of. When he got up into that 24-25 minute range, he was closer to the top 100, which kind of puts him in our, and this is where we're going to officially start slotting, guys. He's above Patrick Beverly, who's currently the last name on our list, and I think he's frankly above Danny Green. Although with no Avery Bradley, maybe that means a little bit more green for the Lakers. Uh, his ability to completely disappear is actually even more so than Dillon Wright, who probably has to play more than Danny Green does. But there's no way I'm taking him above a guy like a Kendrick Nunn, who could potentially pop off for a game or two. Uh, Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, those guys are similar plotters, but with a more... Uh, set-in-stone role on the Rockets. They're starting and they're seeing minutes. We don't really know what's going to happen with DeLon Wright. So I'll slot him right in front of Danny Green. And I'm going to try to do a good job of actually keeping track of how many names are in total on our list right now, even if the kind of the numbers in between don't actually match up. So that now puts Patrick Beverly at number 99, and we will rumble along. Joe Ingles, number 143 for Utah. He'll be a lot better than that during the resumption campaign. We saw how good he was when Mike Conley was out. It won't be quite so simple with no Boyan Bogdanovich because Conley's still there, Donovan Mitchell's still there, pushing Ingles to basically the third ball handler spot. But there's almost no doubt in my mind he slots in with more minutes and more touches because he likely moves into the starting lineup. Even if his numbers don't change that much, it still puts him right at the tail end of someone you could use in this resumption season. But his new improved role pushes him above these plodding types to someone who's a bit more interesting, more into that range of the uh, Millsap favors Derek White names of that ilk. I don't know if I'd go a whole lot higher because there are some gaps in his game and he's not going to be the point guard like when Conley was down. So there's not going to be that huge leap to him posting, you know, 75, 70, 65 kind of value in this resumption, he might not be that far from that, but I think you're looking at more like top in that 85 to 100 range during the regular season, and so you peel that back into something in the probably the low 70s here as a, a better case scenario. Would I rather have Rui Hachimura or Joe Ingles? Probably Hachimura. Would I rather have Derek Favors, Millsap, Derek White, John Morant, Al Horford? I think you're still on those guys over Ingles, although you're certainly getting close near the end of that list. I think I'd probably put Ingles in front of Jay Crowder, and that's where we're going to stuff him just for the moment, and we'll do our tweaks over the weekend for the Monday big reveal. So I might move some of these names around, but we're going to general buckets at this point because there are just so many damn names, and if I pause to do them all perfectly on the pod, it would be a very weird podcast because there'd, there'd be all these breakpoints, and it would take me three and a half hours to record the show. I ain't doing that. Jordan Clarkson was right behind Joe Ingles during the regular season. He was at 144, and he was actually decent in his time with, with Utah, if uh, a bit unspectacular, kind of the typical Jordan Clarkson stuff. Over the last three weeks, Clarkson was number 160 in 25 minutes. He might get to do a little bit more, but his value is pretty much entirely hinged on getting to the free throw line and scoring a whole bunch of points, and they're just not going to be the case. So Clarkson, we can either throw him at the very end of our current list or even possibly throw him in the wait list because, uh, honest to goodness, I just don't care about him and I don't think I'm drafting him, even with Bogdanovich out. It's just not... He just doesn't have a good fantasy game if you're not in a league that exclusively values scoring. 
George Hill was at 145. Um, he's intriguing for the same way that Dante DiVincenzo is intriguing. He'll probably get to play a little bit more as Milwaukee rotates guys in and out of their lineup, which probably puts him in front of Patrick Beverly. But that's about it. That's about it. I, I think I'd rather have some of these other guys. There's there's still the prospect that Hill becomes one of those guys that rests. He is barely at fantasy value, even when he had everything going his way. And, you know, frankly, I don't know that he can shoot 53%. He did it for an entire season, but it still felt fluky. I don't know. Maybe you'll prove me wrong. Troy Brown Jr., this is an interesting one because Washington is extremely shorthanded. They're going to have almost no choice but to play him, and when he saw decent minutes, he was inside the top 100 or very close to it. And I've got to believe he's going to be playing 28, 29 minutes a game with no Bradley Beal, no John Wall, no Davis Bertans. They're just going to need someone out there. So Troy Brown Jr. should be up at least near the top of these kind of these plodding types. I don't think I'd raise him as high as, a, say, a Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, or even, frankly, a JaVale McGee, but he falls in line with the Joe Harris, Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry contingent, if only because, you know, maybe those guys have a little bit more usage that goes into it, but I would definitely put Troy Brown Jr. in with those guys, and that's where we're going to slide him right now while we continue to move through a podcast and not slow down a show with getting finicky on the numbers. Gorgie Jang? Uh, no. <laughs> Do I have to go farther than that? Uh, no. He will not have a role. He played a bit more because Memphis was without Brandon Clark and without Jaron Jackson Jr. when he was acquired, but they will be with both of those guys now. And so I think we could even put him on the wait list because I don't think he's close to getting on the board at this point. He was a 147 during the regular season, and I don't, I mean, I, I just, I don't see how he, he might not even play. Thad Young at 148, he's not there. Lou Williams at 149, sounds like he will be attending, but I mean, 149, and that was with Paul George missing a lot of time. Lou Williams is going to be vastly overdrafted in this. That said, I still would take him over some of the guys we have at the very bottom of our list right now. Uh, I think I'd take him right around when you take Carmelo Anthony. Similar games. I mean, I know that's a weird thing to say. Lou Williams does more damage to the free throw line, Mello uh, more in the rebounding department, but they're both overvalued because they both take a lot of shots, and people love to see that crap. Kendrick Nunn, he's like Lou Williams' stat set right there. I don't, these guys are, are just not, I'm not interested in them. And so I'm going to put Lou Williams in a spot where, yeah, I don't think we end up with him because I'm sure somebody will take him before he gets to us. But I'll, I'll throw him uh, basically right in front of Carmelo Anthony. And like anyone's going to let it get that far. So really, what is even the point of putting him there? But he's in the mix at this point. So we have to at least include him on our list. Dwight Powell at 150. He's recovering. Shabazz Napier was at 151. We've actually already slotted him into our list at 45. He's set to have a very big one. And we did that when we were talking about some news earlier on. Rodney Hood at 152. Not going to be there. Gary Harris at 153 during the regular season just never really took advantage of the fact that he played a lot of minutes and could have done something. I don't really have any reason to believe that he will change what he's doing at this point. 
I think they'll probably rest him one game just because Denver's seeding doesn't really matter a whole lot at this point. He has more upside than some of these guys because he's starting and playing 31 minutes, but can we really do we really trust that he'll do anything at all with the time he's on the court? He had like two or three weeks every once in a blue moon where he did enough to be fantasy relevant, and it was when he was warmer from the field and his field goal percent wasn't dragging you down. Like the last, you know, three weeks, he was a top 100 guy. The previous three weeks, he was number like 250. He was all over the map. I don't expect him to be good, but I would rather have him than, oh, I don't know, some of these guys we've just been talking about at the bottom of our list, right? Would you rather have Gary Harris or, I don't know, Nemanja Bialica, who probably won't even play? Daniel House, who might not really play? Well, he'll play more than Bialica will, but when I say he might not play, he might not get to really touch the basketball. Um, I think I'd probably still go House. Bialica is there, if I think maybe on the assumption that they still want to try to shoehorn him into 25 minutes a game. Lou Williams or Gary Harris? Eh, I'd probably go Gary Harris there. Kendrick Nunn or Gary Harris? I'd probably go Harris. P.J. Tucker, Daniel House? Probably go Gary Harris. Bielitsa, i go Harris. Yeah. All right, so he's uh, right in that range. I think I'd probably put him... Basically in the Josh Hart, J.J. Redick contingent and probably more towards the top of that group than the bottom. So we'll put him right in there with Troy Brown, who we just slotted in a minute ago, and uh, we'll shift everybody down beneath him. But again, I reserve the right to move some people around, and I probably will drop Bielitsa down a few slots now that we're sort of looking at that after being able to sleep on it for a little bit. Zion Williamson at 154. I don't have a clue where this dude's going to get drafted. He uh, was one of the worst free throw shooters in the NBA during his 20 games, 19 games during the regular season average, 24.7 rebounds, good field goal percent, horrific free throw numbers, no real steals or blocks, and you wonder if that might get turned around a little bit. Still, even if he has a good resumption, someone's going to take him too early. And so this is a weird one because I want to I slot him into our rank list here where I think he's actually going to finish up. I think he's going to try to play in all eight of the resumption games, so that gives him something. Someone out there is going to take him, uh, like, right around when guys like Gobert and Turner and and Levert and Lonzo, and there are going to be some buzzy names that go, and then Zion's going to go in that bunch. But I think his free throw number is going to be so hard to swallow that he gets pushed down the list a little bit. Probably more in that Montrez Harrell range, which I know that's going to freak you people out a little bit. But that's, that's where I'm looking at him. And so I'll put him down there at like 68, which, what are the odds he makes it to 68? Zero. But you got to go with what you know. And what you know is he's going to get to the line a lot, and he's going to clang them. And it's damn hard to be at the top if you're clanging free throws and you're not getting any defensive stats. Maybe that gets turned around. If that gets turned around, that's, that's part of the fix. But it's not it all by itself. Even if he had defensive stats to go with his other stuff, he's not going to go from 154 to, to 40. It's going to take something else. Spencer Dinwiddie, not there. Josh Richardson, duh, what a year. Still, I think he'll be undervalued here going into the resumption. 156, 
badly banged up all year. He's not a lead option on that team, but he's better than what we saw. And so you can put him against sort of up in that same range with the Gary Harris's and the Joe Harris. We'll go with the Harris's and you can put Richardson right around there as well. Do I trust Richardson more or less than those other guys? Probably a little bit less. But it's, again, you're splitting hairs to a certain degree. And so uh, we'll drop him in there. Oh, sort of in that uh, 83 range, somewhere between 80 and 90, somewhere between 80 and 95 in this resumption. And maybe we'll be able to pick him up at that point, and, and maybe it'll be a little bit of, a, of an advantage. Dorian Finney-Smith is the next name on the list, and I don't see no reason why his numbers should change almost at all. He was 157 during the regular season. He probably should do roughly that now, which puts him uh, basically just in front of Patrick Beverly at this point. That's, that's pretty much it. And I think I've lost track of, of how many names I've put on the list. I think we're at like 106 now. But I don't, I, yeah, I can't do it all at the same time. Tristan Thompson, not there. P.J. Washington, not there. Markel Fultz, coming late and dramatically overvalued. He was 160. He'll be a little bit better than that in a couple extra minutes if that's what he gets. But there are quiet, low turnover producers that are going to do better than Markel Fultz during this thing. Still, I think I'd rather have Fultz over Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, Bielitsa, Redick, these guys that have almost no upside at all. At least there's a little bit of upside with Markell. So I'll put him uh, in that group that we've been talking about. Troy Brown, Tim Hardaway Jr., Joe Harris, guys that are going to play a decent chunk of minutes, Josh Richardson, where maybe something does break their way. Maybe something breaks Markell Fultz's way. Maybe he has a good stretch where he makes his free throws and... You know, the assist numbers are high, and that offsets some of the missing stuff. Maybe he gets a bunch of steals in these eight games. There is a path to him getting inside the top 100. I don't know about going a whole lot higher. There's still a lot of dudes I'd rather have in front of him. But once you get into that, you know, the Harrises, the juniors, Troy Brown Jr., Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, those guys, I think, should be grouped in with faults. And the question now becomes, where does he sit within that tier of players we're looking at. And he's in, the, he's in the middle to me. Probably more interesting than Gary Harris, less interesting than Tim Hardaway Jr. and Joe Harris. So we'll drop him in there. He ends up being right around 88, I think, on our list. Although, again, I, I might be off by a number or two. And again, Patrick Beverly slides farther down the board. Remember, we still have Jonathan Isaac on our wait list. So maybe we'll get some information on him here soon and and slot him into the draft board. Are we at Derek Jones Jr. territory yet? No, he, he, I think he still belongs on the wait list as well. Marvin Bagley III was 161. He's obviously going to be better than that. And in a starting gig, we'll push him up the board a decent amount. I think he's going to be pretty good here. I feel like he has a lot to prove. The Kings, really, I, I said this before, I can't believe that I'm, I'm taking the side of the Kings fans who feel like the media is slighting them, but they are being slighted. It's actually true. They were playing some of the best basketball of anybody in the NBA going into the break, and admittedly it wasn't like they were beating up on the best teams in the league, but they were playing better than the other teams right on the Western Conference bubble, and I think they'll come out swinging here. So Bagley at 161 during the regular season far belies what he's looking at here during this resumption, and to me, he's got to be in the 60s. 
I don't trust him enough to throw him up there, you know, with a Jared Allen or even a Rashawn Holmes on his own team, I would probably go in front of just in terms of overall rank. Daniel Tice, probably a little bit safer. But, you know, once you get into the Brandon Clark, Steven Adams, uh, Mikhail Bridges, the, the, these types of guys, you could take a swing with a Marvin Bagley and hope it pans out. And so I'll throw him in there in that mix. Um, I'll go Bagley above of Brandon, above Brandon Clark at the very least. And he's probably going to go earlier than that. And maybe he should. Maybe he should. But to me, that's roughly where he needs to belong. And uh, I can't elevate him a whole lot higher than that until we actually see it happen. But he's going to play a bunch, and he's going to get to do a bunch. And you might as well just, you know, throw the Hail Mary with something like that, especially if he ends up falling a little bit in the rankings, which maybe he will because people might forget to look that far down when you're building your stuff. Miles Bridges, not going to be there. Jeremy Grant should be the backup to Paul Millsap. So we'll keep him relatively low on our list. I think we can throw him there uh, maybe just in front of, like, the Danny Green, George Hill, Delon Wright contingent, if only because if he does get a little bit of run, he would be more interesting. And if Millsap sits out any games, then Jeremy Grant becomes a fantastic plug-and-play option. But I don't know that you can go a whole lot higher than that. Uh, again, we are looking for the, you know, the one or two games out of a guy. But listen... If you're drafting Jeremy Grant in the hopes that he gives you one to two useful games, that might be a guy better spent picking up off the waiver wire. As are going to be a lot of the guys near the end of our list here, right? Like, we don't want to end up with some of these dudes at the end. They're just there because they exist, and we passed their name in our assessment. Would I rather have Jeremy Grant or Nemanja Bielitsa? And it's weird to think this, but it's probably Grant. Because Bielitsa is probably going to just sort of plunk along for eight games, and Grant is going to plunk along for six or seven, and then he might have one big one, and that might be the day that we wanted him. Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, I mean, probably rather have those guys, right? So you're probably looking at uh, Grant right in that Kendrick Nunn, Lou Williams territory where you're hoping somebody sits for a night and you can squeeze a game out of him. I really got to move Bielitsa. The fact that he's still where he was is screwing up our rankings here. So let's throw him uh, farther down the list. He can go back there just in front of Carmelo Anthony. Sorry, voodoo doll Bielitsa. You're just, you're not there anymore for me. Harrison Barnes at 164. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> same idea. He's going to play more than some of these guys, but his fantasy game is so gross that I can't in good conscience suggest taking him. So uh, he can go in there... I mean, I don't know, whatever. We'll put him in front of Dorian Finney-Smith at this point. Who cares? We're not going to end up with him, right? We're going to have enough names here to, to, to close him off. Although, frankly, we're running out of names at this point. Royce O'Neal in Utah. At 165 with no boy on, he should actually see a tiny bit of a bump, but not enough to where I would take him over some of these other guys. I, just, I don't know that there's a game I would feel confident throwing him into the mix, but we can go him... Uh, I think we can go him in front of Carmelo Anthony at this point because at least he he has a fantasy game that might translate a little bit, and we know we know Melo's game isn't going to translate. Ish Smith in Washington deserves to be a little bit higher than uh, whatever the hell we were just at. What are we at? One sixty six. He's never going to be great, right? He's never going to be great when he had big time minutes. He averaged twenty six minutes a game this year. When he got into the thirty range, he was. Pushing, you know, 120-ish. And that would be useful here during the resumption. 
And he's probably going to get to play a fair amount because Washington is so crazy shorthanded. But what does that put him in? It puts him in the P.J. Tucker, Daniel House contingent of guys that are going to play enough minutes to be relevant, but probably not guys you really want filling out your roster in a fun way. Who would I rather have among that group? House and Tucker. No question. So we'll throw Ish Smith behind those guys. And I've totally lost track of where we're at in the total numbering at this point. So we'll do that at the end of the show. Bruce Brown with Detroit, not there. Patty Mills, um, who did some cool stuff yesterday, agreed to, uh, not agreed to, but announced he was going to be donating the roughly $1 million he's making during this uh, seeding stretch to causes for social justice. Played 63 games during the regular season, averaged only 23 minutes a game because uh, they're just, you know, you're the Spurs... They they refused to play certain guys at the same time, and that was fine, actually, because he didn't need to be on the floor at the same time as, oh, who the hell, like a Bryn Forbes or something like that. Um, but we know Mills can do a decent amount if he actually sees the floor, and if DeRozan ends up sitting, which I believe he will, probably not too far into this thing, there's a, a weird little world where Patty Mills does elevate a little bit. And so would I rather have him over someone like Lou Williams? No, but Royce O'Neal, Carmelo Anthony, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think you're probably getting close at that point to where you can take a flyer on a Mills. Uh, Danny Green, DeLon Wright. Yeah, I mean, there's just a tiny bit more upside there if he gets to play a little more. So we'll go right behind Royce O'Neal and right in front of Carmelo Anthony. We'll go Patty Mills because maybe... Something shakes out. By the way, while we're looking at the Spurs, there are a couple of names that are coming up on that team that I, I want us to make sure we don't forget about, and that's Jakob Pertl and Trey Lyles, who are both set to actually do some stuff here during the resumption campaign. So let's blitz through uh, the rest of the names on the original list, which go up to about 190, working off the Basketball Monster list right now. Uh, D'Anthony Melton was at 169. We just kept thinking that he was going to do something, and he never really capitalized on the opportunity. Couldn't find his way comfortably inside the top 200. But I would rather have him than uh, Patrick Beverly at the very end of our list. So we're doing... Uh, poor Patrick Beverly at this point. So DeAnthony Melton's going uh, right near the end of the, the list, and uh, we can just keep moving along here. I want to go, go fast at this point. Unless we come across somebody super interesting, Dario Sharich in Phoenix, uh, you know there there are questions about who's going to play and how much with that team. With most of that team healthy, there isn't much reason to think he goes a lot higher than this. You can put him right down in that same group. I'd probably throw him right behind Harrison Barnes as a guy that I don't really want to end up with. And we keep rumbling along. Mo Wagner in Washington. He can do a lot with a little, and he should see some playing time. But with Thomas Bryant around, it still sort of caps him about 20 minutes a game. Um, probably not a guy I'm, I'm strongly considering drafting. But you can throw him in there in this, this same general area of, you know, George Hill, who could be okay in limited minutes. DeLon Wright, same kind of thing. Barnes, Sharich. Dorian Finney-Smith, guys that will play minutes but probably won't do much with them. And I would say above DeAnthony Melton because, well, we've we've seen Wagner. He's He's been pretty good because of good percentages, and he can add the three ball. And maybe he sees a little bit more action here uh, if Washington decides to just roll out the youngsters. So he's a guy to consider at the end of your draft. 
um, probably over some of these other names, actually. In fact, as I rethink this, if you're getting to the last round of your draft and you're looking for somebody that you feel like you can comfortably plug in there, these guys are not those guys. But if you're looking for someone where maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and they're just like, all right, Thomas Bryant's going to sit tonight. Wagner, you get to play 30 minutes. That's a guy you're going to want to have as the last dude on your bench, kind of in that JaVale McGee mold, but certainly not as trustworthy as JaVale. So let's bump him up there. We'll put him ahead of some of these plotting types. And uh, Mo Wagner now slots in just ahead of Jeremy Grant and and a little bit behind the, the P.J. Tucker, Daniel House group. Ivica Zubats, uh, same kind of thing. He was actually trending up a tiny bit at the end of the regular season, and I want to keep that little nugget in mind as we build this rank list out. Over the entire season, Zubats was 172. Over the final 20 games, he was 162. And over the final 10 games, he was 141. So he was trending up a little bit. His minutes were on the rise from 18 to about 20, which puts him in the plodding center material of all this stuff. And it probably puts him, unfortunately, right in that same bucket with guys like Barnes and Sharich. And maybe, I would argue, just a hair more interesting. You know, there's a chance Montrez Harrell doesn't play in one out of the eight games. That's a little more Zubats. Not a ton. They'll go small. But it's it's a little more Zubats. Probably see Marcus Morris play the five a bit in that instance. Would I rather have Harrison Barnes or Evita Zubats? Um, probably rather have Zubats, actually, just in case an opportunity presents itself for him to get to do some stuff. And so we'll move him up the board just a little bit. Not so much that we get crazy, because there are guys up there, you know, just like we mentioned, Ish Smith, you'd rather have. Um, but I think he belongs pretty close to where we just dropped someone like a Mo Wagner, where maybe he, he ends up dropping into a game or two of better value. And uh, so that's where we'll flip him. Right, So there's there's a sense to be made here. We're starting to get into the guys that are hopefully just filling in on your fantasy team for uh, you know one or two games of this resumption season. But if you had to drop them in for more, you potentially could do so. Robert Williams in Boston. Uh, nah, he gets to he gets to be the new guy at the very end of the list. How about that? And you know what? While we're there, um, I'd rather have Derek Jones Jr. than some of the guys at the bottom of this list also um, probably ahead of, of Pat Beverly uh, now certainly ahead of Robert Williams. So we'll put, we'll put Derek Jones jr. Ahead of Robert Williams, even though he had COVID. So that's an issue. We still got a couple names on our wait list. Um, Jordan Clarkson probably goes ahead of Robert Williams. So we can throw him off the wait list now and get him back onto the actual board. And then Dwight Howard has been languishing on our wait list for a really long time. He's another guy I would put ahead of a lot of these dudes because I think he could drop into an interesting role in a couple of ball games. So throw him in there right by Wagner and Zubats as well. Probably behind Wagner. Uh, we'll go behind Zubats uh, because of the free throw shooting, but he's in there now too. And so the wait list is now just Jonathan Isaac while we wait on his health and uh, Gorgie Jang, who probably won't make our list. In fact, I'm fairly certain of it, so I think we can just delete him. Deleted! Sorry, Gorgie. One of our favorites, but ain't gonna play. Dylan Brooks in Memphis. Gugh. Awful, awful fantasy stat set. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's down there with Jordan Clarkson at this point. He's gonna play more than those guys, and so uh, for that reason, you can flip him probably above the likes of uh, Jordan Clarkson, but ugh. Ugh to the fantasy game. 
gross. Langston Galloway, not there. Jordan McLaughlin, not there. Garrett Temple in Brooklyn will see a boost here as one of the lone remaining living beings on the Brooklyn Nets. He'll be the starting shooting guard, most likely, uh, ahead of Tyler Johnson, ahead of um, Jamal Crawford. And so Garrett Temple probably belongs right in that Daniel House, P.J. Tucker contingent. Would I rather have between Temple and Ish Smith? It's an interesting question. Mo Wagner, Ivica Zubats. Mm. We'll go Temple in front of those guys, but behind Ish. So he's right near the edge of the top 100, I think. Again, I've lost track of the numbers here on today's show. Torian Prince, not there. Jakob Pertl was 179, and he's going to be uh, seeing a massive bump. Pertl, over the entire season, actually his numbers were lower than if you just look at some of the more recent games because LaMarcus Aldridge did have to miss a few in there. Um, Jakob should get to around 20 minutes a game, which makes him a blocks and field goal percent specialist. And he deserves to be drafted because there's no LaMarcus Aldridge and he's going to be starting. And the Spurs are just going to be messing around at some point. At a certain point, they'll probably give him a pretty good amount of run because I don't think they're even going to be trying to win games after the third or fourth game of this thing. So yes, uh, certainly more than some of the guys we've been talking about, more than Dwight Howard, Zubats, Wagner. You can go farther up the list. I think he'll be better than some of these plotting types. You can take a little bit of a chance on him. Um, but I'd rather have Maxi Kleba or Jakob Pertl. Probably Pertl. Uh, what about a guy like a Joe Harris? I, I think you go Harris there just because the job, the role is easier to define. Uh, but once you get into that Troy Brown, Gary Harris grouping right before Kleba, uh, I think you'd rather take the chance that Pirtle cashes in on a little bit of the upside. So I'm going to put Jakob Pirtle kind of late 80s, early 90s range. And I, I think we might even end up adjusting him higher as we move some guys around. I want to also mention, by the way, Trey Lyles, who isn't going to make it on the, 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 the 190 names we were breaking down, but should be on our draft list here because he's actually come out and said he's really excited to play. He was playing well towards the end of the regular season, largely with LaMarcus Aldridge on the shelf, but he'll probably start. And even though his stat set isn't great, getting a bunch of minutes and showing the ability that he could at some point do something should get him onto some teams. So I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be any somewhere near Jakob Pertl here. Gary Harris probably has a little bit more upside than Trey Lyles, but you know more than a Maxi Kleba. What if Lyles actually gets to play a bunch? So let's throw him in there uh, kind of early 90s range as well, even though he's, you know, he's not going to be a name we see. Rounding out some of the names from the original top 190, Jeff Teague not there, Ennis Cantor not going to play all that much, Karis Levert we've already done, James Johnson not there, Goran Dragic was 184, constantly overdrafted, but we can throw him at the very end of our list, probably in front of Robert Williams and uh, behind Jordan Clarkson. So Dragic will at least get his name on the board. Sort of a symbolic thing. Cody Zeller, not there. Mike Conley. That's one interesting one we actually haven't touched on yet. Mike Conley and Kelly Olynyk are actually the last two names we need to slot in here. Conley is an interesting taste study because he was so horrible during the regular season, number 186, but was uh, what I think we could call borderline serviceable towards the end of the regular season, and no Boyan Bogdanovich. So a little bit more for everybody else. 
It took a while, and it was really the very end of the regular season. Last 10 games, Conley was top 90 and was trending up more towards top 75 over his last four or five games. And I think you could probably get him on a pretty good discount at this point. Where do I think he finishes is a real good question. I don't think he plays in all eight games. I think you're probably looking at seven out of him. Utah, not really in jeopardy of falling down to the seven seed, but they'll be they'll be cognizant of it. So they'll they'll want to at least play hard and, and try to lock up staying out of that that bottom part of the bracket. But you know th- there are a lot of guys here that I think you could take in front of him, and I don't think he'll get scooped up too quickly. Like. You know, once you get down into that Terrence Ross grouping, which is now like the 70 to 90 range, you're probably looking at a spot where he'll probably have been drafted already. But there are some guys in that group that I think I'd I'd probably rather have over Conley. Not that many, but a few. Montrez Harrell is not that far away from there, and he's probably safer. Hassan Whiteside, I think, will still get to do a decent amount. But you're probably going to have to take him around that joint. And if he really does play at kind of that top 80-ish clip and you remove eight teams, that puts him in the 50s and 60s. So Mike Conley, uh, I think, probably slots in uh, around the early 60s. It's hard to do live on air. We got so many damn names at this point that we got to just pick a spot and roll with it. So, you know, here's the question. Would you rather have OG Ananobi or Mike Conley? Um, Probably Ananobi. Would you rather have... Uh, Thomas Bryant or Mike Conley. I think I'd rather have Conley. So he probably falls somewhere in between those guys. And the question is, that's like about a seven or eight player window on our board. And I'll just go ahead and flip him in there um, right around Montrez Harrell. So that's where Mike Conley's at. And again, I'll fine tune it over the weekend because fine tuning on a podcast is terrible radio. Am I, am I drafting Kelly Olenek? Probably not. That's the last name on the uh, original list. But he does go in front of uh, Robert Williams. <laughs> he's, just getting, he's just getting picked on at this point. Um, what we're going to do over the weekend is I'm going to go through each team because there are definitely going to be some players like a Trey Lyles who were in the 200s during the regular season didn't make the list here uh, that we were working off of as we were constructing things, but probably do belong on our actual list. So, you know, we'll go through it alphabetically. Like, is there anyone on Brooklyn? You know, Rodion's Curix is probably going to play a decent amount of power forward, but is it going to be enough for value? Nah, he's probably just somebody to keep an eye on. So that's my weekend. If you want to know what's so what's fun in Danland, I'm going to go through all 22 teams, make sure that nobody outside the top 190 belongs on our list. But here's how it stands right now. Out of the top 190, we only have a list of... I don't know. I think we're somewhere in about the 125, 130 range. So we lost a lot of names, and it might not be enough right now to actually fill out our entire team. But such is the resumption campaign. Uh, So that's what we'll do. We'll go through Brooklyn, Boston, whatever. We'll work our way through it. On Monday, we'll go through the list. It's going to be a quick pod. Monday will be a short one. Um, Mostly just going to read the list off, let you guys know where we slotted some guys in, maybe move some stuff around. And then Tuesday, we'll start on the next segment here of preparing for the NBA to come back. Probably some mocks. I bet those are coming up here nice and soon. And folks, over the weekend, I know you're going to have a minute to yourselves, right? Surely you'll have a minute to yourselves to check out manscaped.com. Please don't jump over this. I'm going to hit you with the promo code here real quick. It's HoopBall20. 
H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and the number 20. You get 20% off and free shipping on your goodies over at manscaped.com. The lawnmower, boxers, uh, lotions, colognes, they got all sorts of good stuff. Please do check it out. We need this partnership to be a big, productive one. So you guys get out there, get something, uh, make Manscaped super happy. That'll make us super happy, and then we can uh, keep doing more cool stuff over at Hoop Ball. So that's our show for this Friday. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Again, manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping promo code HOOPBALL20. I am Dan Vespers. A week in the books on Fantasy NBA today. Enjoy your weekend. Back at you. Final list coming Monday. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.